Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Our Time Machine, co-directed by S. Leo Xiong, as well as Yang Sun, this emotionally gripping documentary film focuses on a 43-year-old Malion, one of China's most influential conceptual artists, and his father, Ma Ka, former artistic director of the Shanghai Chinese Opera Theater. After being humiliated and forbidden from working for a decade during the Cultural Revolution, Ma Ka immersed himself in theater. This mysterious excitement of Ma Ka's creative world inspired the younger Malion in but his father's absence stoked early feelings of resentment. The film is called Our Time Machine, and there's so much more to this film than what I just described, and we're fortunate to have with us today one of the co-directors of the film, and that would be S. Leo Xiong. Welcome, Leo, to Film School Radio. Thanks, Mike. This is such a, a warm film. It's such a loving film. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the subjects of the film are themselves very engaging and very creative people, and they really invite you into their world. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you and uh, Young Sun to uh, to embark on this uh, documentary. So Young was actually the one that initially uh, connected with Ma Liang. Um, Young is uh, based in Shanghai, and um, you know through a friend of his, he had found out that Ma Liang was doing this. Uh, stage performance and he was looking for somebody to basically make a film about the process. The friend mentioned to him the swimming pool story, right? The swimming pool story that that featured so prominently in, in the film. And Yang was incredibly moved and he wanted to, you know, potentially explore um, sort of doing a longer piece than just a, a you know, sort of a simple documentation, kind of a little bit of a behind the scenes on on the on the production of the play. <clears throat> that was back in 2015 and so he actually shot for a couple months and then brought the project to a uh, pitching forum uh, here in Taipei, which is where I am right now, where he presented the piece to basically decision makers from all over the world. And I was actually one of the trainers um, at that forum to work with the, the producers to basically, you know, refine their pitch and, and, and you know, refine their material. And when I saw the, the three minutes of material that he had, I was, I was so moved. I knew that I, I needed to be a part of it. Um, funny enough, um, our executive producer, Jean Chen, um, was there at the same time and she felt exactly the same way. So we basically both came on board. Um, and, and Young, you know, w was also a, a very young filmmaker. He was 25, he had just gotten out of grad school. He's never done a feature length documentary. So he was really actively looking for collaborators. He wanted, uh, you know, people who can work with him to guide the project to completion and, and basically to fulfill the, the potential that it had. So that's how I came on board, but I actually initially came on board as a producer, but it became pretty quickly obvious that me as somebody who, who was in his 40s, um, who's basically the same age as Ma Liang, my perspective was actually very essential to this piece. And uh, so we decided to move forward as uh, directing and producing partners. Yeah, I'm just curious in that three minute film pro, um, that you saw for the pitch, right? 
Uh, what was what was it? Was it of the pool scene, or was there more to it than that? Just kind of curious. So, so uh, you know, the, there's a one minute trailer that we have up on YouTube and over the internet. It's basically that, okay. you know, that but a little bit longer, right? So it's about it because Malan was still at the very beginning of the process. So he was talking about you know wanting this to be an opportunity for him to reconnect with his father, wanted his father to participate in the collaboration in the creation of this play, not knowing that, you know, as it turns out, his father wasn't really able to do that. So, right. so it was really kind of the introduction of, of the, the motivation of why Malian wanted to do this. And, and it's really moving, you know, this um, artist and a son doing what he knows best, which is that, that to connect, right? Which is to make a piece of work and also to connect with another artist who happens to be his father. Um, so there's all these really beautiful layers of, you know, of family dynamics and of, of sort of the love for art and love for life that, that sort of shone through in even just those couple minutes of footage. That was back in 2015 and we actually shot for another three years. So, <laughs> you know, that, that was only the beginning of the saga. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as I was preparing for our interview, there's so many layers to the story. And uh, in terms of the relationships you just described between a father and a son, between art and memory and uh, the impact it has on our outlook on life, how, how do you start to reassess your, your sense of being when you start to lose your ability to remember things? We see all of these things play out. And these, they're such universal themes, right? But let's maybe before we get dive too deeply into the sort of the existential metaphysical stuff that is brought really part of the, the experience of watching our time machine. Let's talk about the, the, the structure of it, which is uh, Malion is creating a play and he's creating a, and it's called Our Time Machine. So it is about him, his attempt to kind of capture memories for his father is a gift to his father in many ways. That's what it feels like. And his father, who was the Shang, director of the Shanghai Chinese Opera Theater, had produced 40 different plays during his tenure as, uh, as a, the director. Yeah, I think 50. He, 50. That's the, right? Well, at he, one point he says 80. Yeah. So, I mean, right. there's... Right. Was right. 80? Maybe it was 80, actually. I <laughs> he did. He, and what, he, initially it was 40. And then later on in the film, we see he says 80. So I think right. there's a little bit of memory uh, issues that we, as we will, as it's explored in the film. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's this documenting the production of the play and then documenting his relationship to his father and also people within the, the production. There's, there's a whole bunch of different relationships in play. So what, for you as a, as a co-director and a producer, what are the sort of, what are those challenges present for you? in terms of how difficult was this to document all the different things that are going on? For us, we knew going in that there was going to be two threads that we would follow, right? Um, there was going to be a production of the play, um, you know, which is a, a fairly typical documentary structure, if you will, right? There is a project that is what embarking on with the subjects and the, you know, like all projects, they will uh, encounter challenges and there will be friction and drama and tension and, and struggle and all of that. And then we come to the conclusion of that project, whether it's a success or a failure, but it's a perfect arc, right? Okay. We knew that simultaneously we would follow the, the family, you know, the dynamic of, of Malian's family, 
Maliang, his father, his mother, his sister, um, you know, who had a smaller role, but um, this, this this nuclear family confronting the the illness, the the declining of of health of its matriarch, and we also know that if we just follow that story over several years, life will unfold, and and you know things will change, and revel you know revelation will be had, and and arrangements and the dynamics will shift. So so that's kind of what we set out to to do, and it was very much like like most observational documentary filmmaking kind of you go by blind faith. You just trust that, that the gut feeling that you have as the filmmaker right. um, interacting with the subjects and kind of knowing just a little bit of the, the story or the present day situation of the stories that if you just trust that, um, you know, if you just keep moving forward, you build the kind of trust in the relationship that you have with the subjects that their lives will reveal in a way that will, will, will contribute to a rich and meaningful story, you know? So, so that's kind of what happened, and and, and it, it was it was a little bit worrisome at, at at times where you know at first we were like, well, maybe we don't have enough to tell a feature length story. You know, are enough things happening when the play started to face um, logistical and financial challenges? We're worried. Well, is this film going to work well if the play doesn't take off? Right, because that was what we always thought because it was. You know, even at the earlier stage, it was already generating quite a bit of international attention. So we're yeah. hoping for something that will travel, that that will kind of you know show this particular story, share it with the world across different cultures, and and you know be kind of a, a a glorious ending for the play. So so when those things start to sort of not go the way that we necessarily imagine, you know, it, it was a little bit worrisome. You know, I, I would say as most films of this nature, they are kind of told in post-production, right? Um, that that with all this material, all these different scenarios, all the things that have occurred in real life, how do we choose the the right pieces and to be able to tease out these larger, meaningful themes about memory, about art, about life, and and it is very much, you know, I, mean, I think at some point we had to just really lean into the fact that we are making a film about humanity. I mean, I know it sounds like grandiose and, and, and ridiculous in some ways, but but that's how we felt. And that's how we felt when we watched the story. You know, it's about us, it's about our mortality. It's not necessarily about Alzheimer's, not necessarily about all these things. It's about, you know, what do we do as human beings as we, as we grow older? And I don't think you're being grandiose. It is, and that's why it's about humanity. It's about, it is about big questions, but also, small questions about getting through life, it, it, maintaining those relationships, it, enhancing relations, new relationships, as we see this unfold. There's, a, there's something that is said at the beginning of the film that's written out and uh, about the, uh, our, the different kind of time machines, that our memories are a version of our time machine and our dreams are another version of our time machines and how that plays out so beautifully in the film. Before we go any further, let me just remind our, our listeners that we're talking with uh, S. Leo Xiong, and he's the co-director of this beautiful documentary film called Our Time Machine. The co-director who is not with us is Yang Sun, but uh, it is a film that will be running on, a, uh, on PBS, on the POV series, and please check this out. Uh, and uh, it's, again, let's go back to what I was saying, this beautiful look to this production. Amazing. And to describe it, if you, if you will, how much work went into just putting all of the different 
pieces of this production together is just remarkable. It's a remarkable part of the story. And the way, the look of this is just, it's beautiful. Um, we're very proud of, you know, some of the, the unusual elements, right? Like the, the elements are not necessarily, you know, traditionally documentarian. The, the shots that we set out to have the puppet basically reenact certain slices of memory. When we, when we use things like dolly shots, um, you know, crane shots in the documentary, which is often not what you would imagine when you think of a, a, an observational documentary. Um, so we, we're very proud of that. Uh, and we, we love how, how they came off. Um, but we're also incredibly fortunate that we were, we were photographing a, a visual artist whose work is beautiful, right? I mean, some of those scenes that we walk into that, that's lived beautifully, we wish we could take credit for it, but it's, you know, it's we're walking into a set that Monam has already built so he could photograph the shadow puppetry that's going to be a part of his play. We were fortunate. If you know theater, you know that props, you know, do, they do not necessarily need to have the kind of intricacy and intricacies and details. Because when you're in the theater, you're really far from the audience and all that, you know, detail work aren't, you know, aren't necessarily going to be seen. Right. But Monam mm -hmm. is, is, is an inexperienced theater artist. He doesn't know that you don't have to spend all that time and effort. He's a perfectionist sculptor who want to make these puppets as pieces of art in and of themselves. So everything down to the way that the leather and the wood is aged, you know, the, what the metal looks like, you know, the spring that connects the finger to the rubber band. Nobody in the audience saw it, but we as the camera people, we saw it. We were able to capture those pieces. And, and so he actually, in many ways, he built those details for us. Right. Well, okay. you know, we, we told that story that the, the, the play audience wasn't able to, to see, you know, and that the, the film audience gets to experience that. So, so I think all of those pieces add together, you know, sort of builds the look for, for our film. Well, and I love that section of the film and describing how difficult it is to get realistic hands for a puppet to, to do what they wanted it to do, which and watch the ingenuity involved. You really get into the granular level of watching them put these pieces together. These, uh, how would you describe it? Robotic. They're they're very. It's funny for something that is robotic. How inviting those characters look. The little uh, childlike one. Even the 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 big um, kind of flying machine. Uh, those things. They just even though they're made out of metal and th things you wouldn't think of as warm, it, they look warm, they look inviting. And so is that doing what I'm saying make sense to you? We saw, we've seen several versions of the little puppet, the puppet Makuji, that's the, that's oh, yeah, the name right. of the puppet. Makuji, um, yeah. Makuji's supposed to be a five-year-old boy um, yeah. and it's very mischievous. <laughs> um, we saw many prototypes for that puppet, especially the face. Malian spent an incredible amount of time to keep revising, keep crafting, and keep redesigning the face because, like you said, it was it's made of wood, metal, leather, etc. But what Malian was desperately trying to do was to build the soul for this puppet, you know. And it's and in, it's in the eyes, isn't it? it it's in it's in the eyes, and it's in the face, and it's in it's it's whatever he did. Um, there were some other faces that he's built that basically had the same feature and, and same proportion, didn't feel right. I, 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 I couldn't tell you why, 
you know, right, right. It, it's like it's, it's somehow he tapped into the way that human connect with another human. You know how how we read certain you know textures and details and you know distance between the the two eyes and the length of your nose and I mean who knows right whatever he did when 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 he arrived at, at the the baby Makuzi it worked you know and and it, it's incredible to witness in person the interaction between that puppet and the audience members that are you know able to come up to the puppet and directly interact with them. Because behind this puppet are two grown women in black suits that are twice as tall. And there are two of them. Yeah. And one of them is actually voicing for the puppet. Right. Not the entire time we were with them and, and, and witnessing the puppet interacting with, with you know, um, the general audience. I never saw a single audience member look up at the puppeteers <laughs> or try to interact with the puppeteers it's right. always with the puppet it's they're talking to the puppet they're looking at the puppet's hands and face and and really gushing to the puppet not to the puppeteers but to the puppet how beautiful he is and how you know lovely and funny i mean it's really just magical well there's a scene in the film where they're in new york and they're walking through Washington Square, and the little couple of little girls come up, and Makuji starts talking to them and puts her hand and gives her gives her a kiss, or just the, the interaction again, just what you described. It's all of those things. It just yeah, I can imagine, can't imagine. There, well, going back to uh, what uh, Malion was talking about, he you said he, as he came from more of a sculptural kind of artist's perspective, not a theater pr perspective and how he expresses that to his father. He wants his father to be a part of this production. And um, I gathered from some of the material I was reading about that when he asked him, he didn't realize that his father was in, in sort of a, a decline, a cognitive decline. Is that, am I, did I read that incorrectly? Did he know from the get, from the sort of the start that he was going, his father was beginning to sort of fade or? Yeah, he, he knew that his father was in decline. I don't think he quite understood the level of decline. Okay. Um, that he was still hoping that even with the, the deteriorating conditions that his father would still be able to participate in the production in the in you know in the play in a meaningful way right even as a consultant even for if he could come in and just give advice and and you know and help him work on some stuff but um it became clear that that um you know my father wasn't really even able to do that yeah that was a that was an, an unfortunate revelation on his well, part. i think he actually initially envisioned that his father would direct the play that he would just design it well, at the beginning of the of the film and of our time machine, we see how vigorous he is, and uh, you know he's he's we see him witnessing a performance of some local artists, uh, local theater people, and when Malion asked Ma Ka to be a part of this, I thought it was great the way he Ma Ka said to him, "Well, we have to have some ground rules." So to me, he seemed pretty vigorous and pretty plugged into what was happening and he was talking about writing his memoirs he was working on a book about his time as the creative director of the uh shanghai uh, chinese opera theater so i want to leave it for our audience to discover how this kind of unfolds but go ahead if you want to add yeah i was going to say that you know we definitely took a little bit of a narrative liberty in, in structuring you know Marco's deterioration you know as most folks who live with alzheimer's know that it's not linear right right, right. Uh, it's about good days and bad days 
Um, and I think, you know, at least it's my understanding that what happens as a condition worsens is that bad days became more and more and good days become less and less. Um, the way that we told it in our story is we show the good days, the, the, the frequency of good days at, up front where there are more, but they were also bad days, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think for Ma Liang, it was not necessarily like, oh, he, he knew for sure that everything was going to be fine, that he knew it was going to be a, a, a gamble for him to try and, and collaborate with his father, given his father's condition. Um, but he just didn't, he thought he could get away with it, but it became obvious that he, you know, Mako was just not in, in the shape that, that is able to allow him to participate in over a long period of time in a meaningful right. way. Well, so. well from the, even from the beginning, you could see Ma Liang is there's this urgency to what he's trying to accomplish here. So that was always, as you described, it was always part of the equation. And that urgency becomes more and more acute as things move forward and particularly in terms of getting it from this sort of pre-production level, working on all of the different characters and the scenes and all that to a point where it was gonna be a full production. I, again, I can't understate this, how beautiful this play is to look at. Has it seen a full production run? Has our time machine been in full production uh, outside of China? Where, what's the not, status? Not outside of China. It has played a few more times in China. It's yeah. got, it, it has a couple more short runs. You know, it, it's, a, it's a large production, right? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. With the set pieces and the puppeteers. And there's basically two actors for each right. puppet, right? Um, uh, even even in, in the, um, um, you know, traveling with the film, I personally have connected interested parties to to the production, you know. Uh, but I, I don't really understand the complexity and the costs of, of getting this out. Um, and I, I you know I, I think that they are continuing to work on it. It's it's something. Well, Ma Liang isn't as involved anymore. I think that what has happened is he you know he sort of completed it and he's headed over to another team, producing team, and the producing team is is overseeing you know both now the execution. Uh, artistic execution, but also the business, um, you know, dealings for for that. Um, so, so that's happening. Um, I don't, I don't think they've sort of moved on from it, but they're still kind of working to uh, figure out what what what's next for it. I guess. Um, right. Well, in some ways, just as far as he got with the production, is what I think he, in some manner of speaking, maybe not financially, but he got he got what he wanted out of what I saw from the play, right? That sort of closure with his father. Is that yeah, fair? And that, that's how he talks about it now. Um, you know, and, and he also often talks about being a, a photographer and a, a fine artist, you know, all his life, who has almost 100% control in the process of creating and to coming into a, a, a theater, which is such a collaborative medium and, and how, how challenging it is for him and now how he's happy to, sort of go back to doing more photography projects. Um, so I, you know, I think in some ways, like as an artist, he wants to kind of keep going and keep working on other things instead of focusing on, on exhibition or the distribution. Or, um, that's of that's another beast. That's another whole animal to be a business person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's actually built another puppet after, the, after uh, Papa's Time Machine. It's this big individual puppet. I don't think he necessarily built a play around it, but he built a puppet and then there's this puppet that's about like a, a one and a half story tall. It's pretty huge. Yeah. Um, and and you know they're doing they're also doing some sort of small performances with it with it as well. So. Well, before I let you go, um, I I don't think I focused enough on just 
how what a great character the central character in this film is Malion and how we watch him through good times and bad times we watch him struggle we watch him uh, be a good son try to make sure that his parents are taken care of we see a lot of different facets of his life and what a just wonderful person he seems to be and he goes through his own circle of life occurs in his life as well so it's there's like i said thinking about how we were going to i was going to approach our interview is just thinking about all these there's so many different layers and questions about and answers in many ways you know finding closure in a way that is appropriate in this film and uh but it, he's such a great character for a central character in a documentary. He is, he is. And I, I, I think that, you know, it's, it, he's such a specific character, but at the same time, he's so relatable mm-hmm. that, uh, that everything he'd experienced, um, I feel like so many of us can just really easily step into his shoes and really understand why he feels how he feels and, and the challenges that he faces. For, for me, this is my fifth feature-length doc- documentary. I, I've never had an experience where I'm making a film about somebody else, but it feels like I'm making an autobiography. Um, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not experiencing the challenge, the challenges that he's experiencing with his father, but my father's is 80. My father just turned 80, you know, in, in some ways, um, God forbid, but I kind of see it coming, some version of it. Yeah, um, some version, exactly. Yeah, especially, you know, at least the people that I hang around with. People get married later now. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, people are having kids in their late thirties, early forties. It's not uncommon. In the old days, when 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 couples married in their twenties, they have kids. Their parents help them take care of the kids, and then when their parents get older, their kids help them take care of their parents. Yeah. Now I have friends who are taking care of their young children and their aging parents at the same time, watching them, and and watching how they see life watching them struggle but at the same time discovering the beauty of it is just really beautiful and, and it's what we try to get across in our film there is that uh that line as uh Malion, Malion's, uh struggles with uh, his father's fading um memory and his ability to kind of understand the world around him where he was talking about introducing his daughter to him and i'll leave it there it's just a beautiful kind of part of the film uh to his father and how how he he took something that could be negative and turned it into something positive so we'll leave it there because i this is really i'm this is one of my favorite films i've seen all year and and i i just i thoroughly enjoyed it i the look of it the pace everything about it from a technical side it's just a beautiful film and you have an opportunity if you're listening to the our our conversation to see it, it debuts on uh, the PBS series POV starting on Monday, the 28th of September. I uh, want to thank you so very much for spending some time with us to talk about Our Time Machine. The film is, as I said, PBS, POV. And just quickly, um, after our broadcast on Monday, it's actually going to be streaming for free on pbs.org for one month. So if you're listening to this in October, you can just go to pbs.org uh, slash POV and you'll be able to find our film for free. Fantastic. And look for it there, which is a great place to see it. That's such a wonderful series. The film, again, is Our Time Machine, and we've been uh, speaking with the co-director of Our Time Machine, and that would be Leo Xiong. Leo, thank you so very much for being here. Thank Uh, you. I think I really enjoyed the chat. Take care, Mike.